Mark your calendars! The ADCES 24 Annual Conference parades into New Orleans August 9-12, through 12, 2024. Registration opens March 26, but you can start planning your trip now. Get ready to seize opportunities to connect, learn, and optimize your diabetes care and education practice. Stay tuned for updates at adces24.org. Hi, and welcome to AADE's podcast, The Huddle, Conversations with the Diabetes Care Team. In each episode, we speak with guests from across the diabetes care space to bring you perspectives, issues, and updates that elevate your role, inform your practice, and ignite your passion. My name is Kate Thomas, and I'm the Director of Advocacy at AADE. In today's episode, I sit down with Sheila Burke from AADE's Washington, D.C.-based consulting firm, Baker Donaldson. Baker Donaldson is a law firm and public affairs group focused on state and federal legislative and regulatory issues. We've been working with Baker Donaldson for about two years now on some of our legislative and regulatory priorities in DC. Sheila is a strategic advisor in Baker Donaldson's DC office and serves as the chair of the firm's government relations and public policy group. Sheila is also notably a member of the faculty at the John F. Kennedy School of Government at Harvard University. And to really tie Sheila's experience into the work that we do at AADE, early in her career, she was a staff nurse in Berkeley, California. So she draws on that larger healthcare perspective. Sheila and her colleagues, Tiffany Williams and Jennifer Suma, have been instrumental in the development, drafting, and advancement of the Expanding Access to Diabetes Self-Management Training Act, legislation that we've introduced in both the House and the Senate in the U.S. Congress. Sheila joins us today to provide a snapshot of what's happening on Capitol Hill right now and how things are progressing with the Expanding Access to DSMT Act. And just a note about the Expanding Access to DSMT Act, for those of you who might not be familiar with the legislation, This legislation seeks to improve access to diabetes self-management training services under the Medicare program. We know these services have existed as a Medicare benefit since at least 15 years, but they're really underutilized. So we wanted to take a look at some of the barriers to Medicare beneficiaries accessing those services and make some improvements to the Medicare program in order to get our Medicare beneficiaries access. This legislation proposes to make changes to the Medicare benefit to help meet Medicare beneficiaries where they are with their diabetes care. So for example, this legislation would add some flexibility to the number of hours that Medicare beneficiaries can have in terms of diabetes self-management training. It extends the initial 10 hours to be available until they're fully utilized rather than having them go away at the end of a, a year period. It adds some additional hours if more DSMT is required. It allows DSMT and medical nutrition therapy services to be provided on the same day. And it would also exclude DSMT services from Part B cost sharing, which we know is a huge concern for Medicare beneficiaries who have to pay out of pocket for these important services. We also seek to expand the list of providers that can refer for these services and look at the Medicare Benefit Policy Manual to ensure that hospital outpatient departments can provide DSMT services in community-based locations. Finally, this legislation proposes a two-year demonstration project to look at coverage for virtual DSMT and seeing about incorporating that into the benefit as well. 
In our discussion with Sheila, Sheila will talk about the latest updates regarding the expanding access to DSMT bill that we really have been rallying for here at AADE. She will share a little bit about how our advocacy efforts have impacted support for this legislation on the Hill, and she'll give insight into all the different variables that influence the success of the bill. This includes the 2020 election and bipartisan priorities in healthcare. It is an insightful conversation that shows the amount of strategy involved in passing a piece of legislation. But there are so many benefits in this strategy because it shows the number of ways that AADE members and other listeners can get involved to help influence the passage of this legislation. We hope you enjoy it. Welcome, Sheila, and thank you for being here today. Kate, thanks so very much. It's a great pleasure for me to be able to join you. As you know, it's been a busy few weeks in Washington with both the House and the Senate trying to wrap up their outstanding legislative business before they adjourn for the August congressional recess. I know there's a saying around Washington that there's nothing that motivates members of Congress more to get things done than the smell of jet fuel. So can you tell us a little bit more about what some of the big legislative priorities Uh, What they've been these past few weeks, what has Congress been focused on, especially as they relate to health care? Thanks, Kate, very much again for the opportunity. Uh, As you have correctly noted, the uh, smell of jet fuel or the sound of uh, wheels up uh, is certainly Mm -hmm. an incentive for the Congress, both the House and the Senate, to get their business done. Uh, It has been uh, an interesting summer so far and uh, certainly suggests that we're likely to have a busy fall as well. Uh, Perhaps uh, highest on the priority list for members, uh, particularly in the context of health care, have been issues related to the budget and appropriations measures. As you know, uh, much of the Mm health care system in this country, separating out certainly Medicare and Medicaid, but much of the other issues, whether it's the FDA or the Uh, CDC or uh, many of the spending programs within the Department of Health and Human Services are appropriated funds. And so as we approach the end of the fiscal year, of course, uh, there's a great interest in completing the business of the Congress so that, in fact, the government can continue to function and not be put into a position of uncertainty uh, that the failure to finish the budget work uh, certainly brings with it. So there's been focus on trying to reach a budget agreement with the House and the Senate, Democrats and Republicans, as well as with the White House. Uh, And then ultimately, that provides a game plan for the appropriations bill. Well, as of last week, uh, the House and Senate and the White House have agreed on the outlines of a budget, uh, and that will now lead to hopefully progress on the appropriations bills. Uh, The House has completed its work in large part. Uh, The Senate has yet to begin And this will include setting spending levels for many of the programs I just referenced. Uh, In addition to that, uh, the public has demanded, and there has been a great deal of interest in discussing drug prices and efforts to contain those prices or essentially put uh, the federal government in a position of being able to influence and help with respect to the prices that people pay at the drugstore, including, as we all know well, uh, the price of insulin, which has been a great deal of concern to folks around the country. Uh, And related to that, but slightly different, is the issue about surprise medical bills. Uh, And that is the bill that you receive after having treatment that far exceeds anything you expected. Uh, And again, this occurs around the country. 
and often involves people that are cared for with, by physicians and others outside of their so-called network. Uh, so if I were to identify the, uh, the biggest issues uh, in healthcare, they are those. Uh, interestingly enough, while opioids continues to be a critical issue and uh, all of the uh, issues that creates around the country, um, that has been sort of secondary to some of these big issues around drug prices and surprise medical bills. That's great, Sheila. And you know that working with our members, that issues like drug pricing and surprise medical bills, and even funding for federal programs like the CDC and the Special Diabetes Program, these are issues that are very close to our members and for people with diabetes. And those are issues that we advocate on quite often. And I think as we look at our own legislative priorities, it's important to really see the the big picture in terms of what Congress is looking at and how that impacts what our own legislative priorities might be, including how we position ourselves with the Expanding Access to Diabetes Self-Management Training Act, because that certainly plays an important part in some of these larger healthcare conversations. Um, so changing gears to talk more about the Expanding Access to DSMT Act, our advocates have been working hard to advance this bill. They've been meeting with Congress, both on Capitol Hill and within respective congressional districts, um, home with members as their home in their districts. They've been sending letters. They've been using social media. Um, can you give us an update on where those advocacy efforts have gotten us with the bill and what's happening with that bill right now? Uh, I certainly can, and I must uh, compliment uh, the members uh, of uh, our educators and others for their extraordinarily hard work over the last uh, year or so. Uh, we are, in fact, continuing to build support for the legislation on Capitol Hill. Uh, we are up to 43 co-sponsors uh, on the House side, uh, including both Democrats and Republicans, which, as you know, is quite critical to really meeting our uh, desire to pass this legislation to show that, in fact, there is broad support. Uh, we're up to 10 supporters on the Senate side, again, bipartisan in nature. Uh, we continue to work very closely with the bill's sponsors, uh, who've encouraged us to keep working to add co-sponsors uh, and to increase the number of congressional supporters writ large. Uh, again, reflecting the broad range of interests. As you know, the Diabetes Caucus is the single largest caucus in the House, uh, so it reflects the broad range of interests and activities on the part of the members of the House, in particular with respect to issues relating to diabetes. Uh, it has struck so many members, so many family members uh, of members of Congress. It's an issue near and dear to their heart. Um, we want to continue that effort. Uh, AADE has been working with the Diabetes Advocacy Alliance uh, to create a list of members of Congress who we can target through our grassroots. Uh, making this a personal issue for members uh, is critical to our success. Uh, and of course, in addition to building our list of supporters, uh, we want to work with the sponsor offices uh, to get information on the cost or the savings that might result uh, as a result of the bill. Um, it's something known as a score, and the Congressional Budget Office uh, is the source of that information, and it provides members of Congress information on whether the legislation will result in a cost uh, to the system 
uh, or a savings to the system. Uh, it also helps determine whether the actual legislation is budget neutral, therefore having neither a cost nor a savings. Uh, this is often a key piece uh, of legislation uh, information that's critical to members as they consider the competing demands they have before them. Um, we have, in the interim, secured an independent scoring analysis uh, that indicates the DSMT bill would save over $9 billion over 10 years. Uh, but again, that is an independent source, and the Congress, while uh, that will prove useful to them, will be dependent upon the Congressional Budget Office for any official scoring information. Thank you, Sheila. And that's a great reminder that we do have a preliminary analysis and a one-pager on the independent cost savings analysis available on our website for our members to use in some of their advocacy conversations. This was a helpful tool to take with us to Capitol Hill when we had our Hill Day back in May. I was very interested in what you were talking about in terms of building the list of co-sponsors, because I think that's something tangible that our members can do. I know there are a lot of factors involved with passing a piece of legislation. And so I think when we're looking at the number of co-sponsors, 43 co-sponsors in the House is, is really significant considering the bill was introduced at the end of March. But when you look at it from the perspective of 435 members of Congress, we still obviously have our work cut out for us in building that list of supporters. We're often asked from our members or by our members, is there a magic number of co-sponsors we need to advance the bill? And from my perspective, I'm not quite sure there's a magic number, but Really, we want to focus on showing that strong bipartisan support, and obviously the more supporters, the better. Do you have any thoughts on this magic number or some of the other variables that may influence the passage of the bill? I know you mentioned a few in what you were just talking about. Well, Kate, you're, you're asking a, a very important question and certainly something that uh, we all ought to keep in mind, and that is, you know, what do we need to do in order to move this measure forward? Frankly, I don't think there is a magic number of co-sponsors mm -hmm. to advance any particular piece of legislation, but it's certainly important to have as many co-sponsors as is absolutely possible. And certainly most important are those on the committees of so-called jurisdiction, that is the committees that uh, will consider the legislation before it goes before the entire House or the entire Senate. Uh, in this case, uh, on the Senate side, that would include the Senate Finance Committee that has jurisdiction over Medicare and Medicaid, uh, as well as all the tax laws, trade laws, Social Security, critically important committee. Um, the House side has two committees that have an interest. That is the House Energy and Commerce Committee and the House Ways and Means Committee that, interestingly enough, split jurisdiction over the Medicare program. So both are critically important. Uh, the other important variable that we just touched on was whether the bill is scored as a saver or as a cost. <clears throat> Ideally, uh, we'd want the bill to save money uh, so it can help pay for other legislative priorities that the members have in mind. Uh, these bills are often packaged together. Uh, <clears throat> and essentially, uh, as such, uh, there are trade-offs that occur in the consideration of legislation. Uh, trade-offs that essentially allow uh, one thing perhaps that one member cares about to be supported by another because they, in fact, have something they want to have support for. So it's often helpful if, in fact, there's a savings involved 
that can be used to help finance another priority. Um, ideally, we would want the bill to save money so that it can help pay for these other priorities. Uh, but our hope is certainly that the bill will be at the very least budget neutral. Uh, but it's unclear at this point, given that we don't have an estimate uh, officially from CVO, um, but particularly because we include uh, some very important provisions in the bill. The first and perhaps the most at issue with respect to a cost would be eliminating the cost-sharing requirements for the DSMT benefit and the virtual DSMT demonstration. Uh, frankly, we felt that despite the potential cost of these policies, it was absolutely critical that they be left in, providing the greatest incentive for folks to participate. Timing and politics uh, are the uh, two important variables uh, that come into play. Um, it's a limited amount of time. Uh, members have a large number of priorities they want to accomplish, particularly as we uh, come in proximity to an election cycle, uh, which often is essentially uh, a period of time that becomes less productive uh, than uh, that time that precedes it because people are engaged in their campaigns. Uh, but given the limited amount of time that we have um, in dealing with these issues prior to the 2020 election, uh, we want to make sure we have the greatest opportunity. Some of the priorities are bipartisan in nature. Um, we believe ours certainly is, others sometimes not. Um, not surprisingly, the bipartisan priorities have a greater chance of crossing the finish line. But frankly, ultimately, everyone will be looking for moving vehicles, as we call them, removing bills um, that will come before both the House and Senate and ho hopefully uh, achieve final resolution and go before the president for signature. We need to be mindful of what those vehicles are, as well as having a good score, uh, which will certainly help our chances of hitching a ride to something that might, in fact, pass this year. So keeping in mind the score, the cost, the timing, and the priorities uh, are all going to be part of our calculation as we go into this fall period uh, before essentially the holiday break and then we're fully into the 2020 election. Sheila, just in the answer to that question, I, I can't even tell you how valuable that perspective is because it really talks about the strategy involved in passing a piece of legislation and all of the factors that need to be considered. And I think that's something that it's very hard to articulate to members and to diabetes educators when we're doing an action alert and asking people to contact their legislators, just to show that the grassroots engagement component is one critical pillar of what we're trying to do in passing the legislation. So that insight on strategy and technique to advance the legislation is such a valuable resource for our members to hear. So thank you so much for that description. And I think it's something that we can really take into consideration as Congress advances um, you know, we get back to business in September, we start to look ahead to the 2020 election. So thank you for that excellent summary. Dialing back to some of the aspects that our members can take control of and can really lead on. As I said, our members have been contacting their members of Congress, asking them to co-sponsor the bill. We, through Baker Donaldson, have been really active in some of those strategic objectives that you discussed, scoring, timing, looking for other vehicles. Um, we've worked with coalition partners to advance the bill. But as we look back to really what our members can do, 
what else can diabetes educators do at this point of time to help advance the legislation and build that co-sponsor list? Well, this is actually a particularly good time, Kate. Um, the members, the House is already in recess, uh, and the Senate will be going on recess later this week. They will be out of session until the 9th of September, uh, so literally uh, about six weeks. Uh, and it means they head home for the month of August. Uh, it's time where they visit their constituents. They visit, you know, local, the local state farm, uh, Bill, the sort of local activities that are occurring in their home states during this period of time and in their districts. Um, this provides an opportunity for uh, the members, our members, uh, to have contact with their congressperson or their senator uh, to put right in front of them um, essentially the issues that they care about and introduce themselves to their members. In many cases, our members may well know their members uh, at home, that is, they're members of Congress. Uh, there may be town hall meetings being held. Very often they are uh, held during this period of time so that the uh, members of Congress can hear from their constituents about the issues about which they are concerned. Uh, we ought not have a meeting occur, a town hall meeting or something at the state fair or wherever the members tend to go, where someone doesn't identify themselves uh, as someone who's involved in diabetes education, involved with the diabetes community, uh, and raise uh, in those conversations our concerns and take the opportunity to essentially host local events and participate fully uh, and really make those connections with both the members of Congress as well as with their staff. They're often accompanied by staff when they go home. Make it your business to essentially introduce yourself, introduce the things that you care about, uh, and make sure they know that you're an active part of their constituency uh, while they're home. And this is so important because it, it's not the barrier of trying to get to Washington, D.C. to meet with them in their D.C. office. It's taking advantage of the time when the member of Congress is home, where they're feeling most comfortable, where you can really show yourself as a member of the community and all the contributions you make to that community. So I think that's such fabulous advice. And we're trying to make this easy for our members to meet with their legislators while they're home during the August congressional recess. So if for those of you who are listening that are interested in finding out how to do that, we have some resources that make that a little bit easier, kind of a step-by-step -step guide of what to do, how to set up the meeting, and some other resources that um, will really help put you in contact with that congressional office. So a few ways to access those resources, you can subscribe to the Advocacy Forum on my AADE network. We'll have everything posted there. And we're also launching a new Legislative Action Center platform. For those of you who might be familiar with the software that we use, it's the platform where you can go and send a letter to your member of Congress. We're launching a new system where you can go in, easily look up your elected official. It will have the office location. So as Sheila talked about, their district offices, you can find the address and the phone number to make an appointment to meet with them. And it will also tell you if your member of Congress has any town hall meetings scheduled. So you can check that easy page and you can go see if they have something on the schedule for a town hall and make plans to attend. And to access that, you can go to diabeteseducator.org. Under the Advocacy tab, just click on the Legislative Action Center, and it will be there. 
You could also go directly to www.diabeteseducator.org forward slash act now to access that information. And so Sheila, kind of as we wrap up, we're, we're through August. We've had some fabulous meetings with legislators in the district. What can we expect when Congress returns in September besides all the new co-sponsors we're going to add thanks to those great advocacy efforts during the month of August? Well, that, of course, is at the top of my list is the work to be done in August while you're at home uh, that will hopefully translate into success in increasing the number of co-sponsors in the House and Senate. Uh, But upon their return on the 9th of September, uh, they will certainly have high on their priority list completion of their work on the budget and appropriations measures. Uh, Now that they know the overall spending levels uh, for the government, they can start parsing that money out among all of the governmental priorities. Uh, There will also be, I think, final attempts at resolution on drug pricing, uh, final attempts at resolution on uh, surprise medical bills, Uh, And there are always, at the end of any year, uh, a series of what are referred to as extenders. That is the continuation of programs that have been authorized only for a year uh, to continue going forward. There are a number of Medicaid programs. um, There are a number of Medicare provisions, uh, which are also time-limited. Uh, And those will be, as they get towards the end of the fiscal year and the end of the calendar year, uh, because many of them are calendar rather than fiscal, uh, there will be pressure to try and complete that business before the holidays. Because again, once they return in January, they will be fully into the 2020 campaign. And a great deal of attention will be spent essentially on dealing with those issues, but issues around the community health centers, the uh, federally qualified centers is one of those issues. Uh, Independence at home, which is a Medicaid uh, provision allowing people to stay at home rather than be put in nursing homes. Uh, All of those are things that are time limited and all of those will receive, I think, the priority of the members upon their return. What I'm hearing you say, Sheila, is really the time to act especially on the expanding access to DSMT bill is now, while Congress has some extended bandwidth prior to getting into the end of the year priorities and the 2020 elections. Absolutely correct. Great. Well, we certainly have our work cut out for us as diabetes educators, but we so appreciate you joining us here today and sharing all your wisdom and insight. It's so wonderful to hear from somebody who is really out there on Capitol Hill working with the administration and um, really has a pulse on all that's happening in D.C. So thank you very much. We, We so appreciate all that you do for AADE and for these fabulous updates. Thanks, Kate. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Huddle, Conversations with the Diabetes Care Team. The message is clear. There is still a lot of work ahead for us to move the expanding access to DSMT bill. Even though Congress is out of session for the August recess, AADE members and those that are listening to this podcast can do their part to support the advancement of this bill, which really improves access to life-saving education and training for people with diabetes under the Medicare program. I hope hearing these updates motivates you to get involved in advocacy by the many ways highlighted in the podcast. 
The first is by visiting AADE's website and accessing the Legislative Action Center. This falls under the Advocacy tab on the homepage. This Legislative Action Center allows you to send a letter to your member of Congress. You can tweet at them. You can Facebook message them or call them. And you can also find more about where their offices are located if you wanted to make an in-person visit and whether they're having any town halls anytime soon that you would be able to attend while they're home during the August recess. We also have a number of resources that we'll be providing. Um, these include uh, tips on how to meet with your legislator and an issue brief that has some suggestions about how to get involved and how to engage your CB or coordinating body to get together as a group to make an impact. We also encourage AADE members to subscribe to the Advocacy Forum on My AADE Network. And this can be accessed by logging into the My AADE Network page. Scrolling to the bottom of the homepage on the right-hand side, you'll see a link to the Advocacy Forum. Subscribe there for regular updates and different ways to engage in advocacy. To access the links and resources discussed in today's podcast, visit diabeteseducator.org forward slash podcast. We also urge you to show your support by subscribing, rating, and reviewing our podcast or sharing this with anyone you think would be interested in the topics discussed today. The information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and may not be appropriate or applicable for your individual circumstances. This podcast does not provide medical or professional advice and is not a substitute for consultation with your healthcare professional. Please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions.